there are an awful lot of people, um, for whatever reason, are just caught up in, in the system and they don't know what to do. Uh, and they don't know. First, some people don't even know, well, hey, I should go talk to a lawyer until it's over. And then it's like, oh, my goodness, what have I done? You know, I've just lost everything. Um, and then there are others who know what to do, but they can't afford the lawyer. Uh, and they need some help because people have rights. And those rights need to be, you know, you need to stand up for those people. Hey, friends, welcome to our special edition podcast called Faith at Work. I'm your host, Jen Kelly, joined by my fellow friend and pastor, Corey Shoemate. We get the joy of bringing you conversations that are all about integrating faith and work and why, as we say all the time, every job matters. We're interviewing Christ followers from a variety of work backgrounds to help stir our imaginations, to give us new insights and practical ways to think about how we live out our faith at work. Hey friends, Pastor Corey here. We've got a really interesting guest here at the table with us. We have with us Mr. Bob Spence, and Bob is a longtime Christ community friend and member. Uh, He's got an incredibly interesting past. Uh, He served in our justice system. So he served as a deputy attorney general uh, for criminal justice in Chicago and Springfield. He served on the Illinois Appellate Court uh, as a Kane County Circuit Judge. He was elected as chief judge by his fellow judge which is, you and I share that in common. I, I also go by chief judge in my in my <laughs> house. So that's an interesting thing that we share in common. Um, you've served on the board uh, of Administer Justice, which, which is a faith-based organization that provides free legal aid uh, to folks who can't afford it. Uh, you've spent a lot of time overseas, 25 mission trips to Mexico and Nicaragua. Bob's also served as an elder here at Christ Community Church. So uh, Bob, I just want to say thank you for your incredible history, <laughs> first of all, and thank you for joining us today. Yes. Yes. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks, and uh, I appreciate the offer. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get more into uh, your your work background. Before we dive into that, help us to get to know you a little bit per, uh, as a person and your history with Christ Community Church. We have, I guess, a unique history with Christ Community in that we were here in the early days in the theater, and then in the, what is now the chapel, and then we took a hiatus for uh, four or five years. Uh, where we checked out some different churches, and I think that was largely due to where we were spiritually. Hmm. And then, and in our marriage, and a whole bunch of other things. But uh, we ended up then being uh, members of Blackberry, a Blackberry Creek Community Church when the adoption took place. We were there. Janet was on the search committee. And it was like, oh, well, this is kind of a reunion. Let's, and for those who aren't uh, familiar, this is a do-over. That was our. That's yeah, a, now that's our Aurora campus. So you are part. Is. You're part of what was Blackberry Creek, Correct. which was adopted and is now the Aurora campus. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That is awesome. We love it. Yes. Thanks again for being here. We so before we get into uh, the weeds about your job and stuff like that, we have an interesting question we wanted to ask you. How has Hollywood? And this is for all of us, okay? Mm. So actually, Corey, I'm going to have you go first. Okay. But I want to know, how has Hollywood most misrepresented your job? It's perfectly represented my job <laughs> in every way. <laughs> so so uh, as I think about pastors in, in film, it's almost always a, a Catholic pastor. Almost always. Yeah. With the- Unless it's like some evangelical megachurch scandal thing or, or something so, which is not not a good look Pentecost but, yeah sure yeah so so we've made we've made some headlines in not great ways if it's like a you know typical movie like we, we were watching Home Alone the other night it's just so it's kind of like the it's usually like a Catholic setting and and the pastor is 
uh, just alone in, the, in an empty church, oftentimes sweeping for some reason. <laughs> like he's just in the pews, <laughs> like always available, which is great. But uh, but it definitely definitely affects how people see. I've had people on a number of occasions be like, "So on Sundays you're here. Do you have like do you have a different job the rest of the week that you do?" <laughs> Like people have no idea. So that's always uh, edifying and uplifting when I get that. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, well, number one, just because I'm a woman and a pastor Mm -hmm. that has its own things. Mm -hmm. Um, You you hardly ever see women pastors. Yeah, not in the media. In Hollywood, Mm -hmm. in movies. So I think that's, yeah, it's a big one. Well, the biggest thing I think for for legal shows, for police, is really the same as police shows. You got 45 minutes to do something. So mm-hmm. you have to have the crime committed. You have to have it solved, you ha- uh, successfully solved. And then if it's a legal show, you have to have it prosecuted in court and all of this within 45 minutes. And it looks really easy and really fast. And that is 100% different from the way it really is. That's what our coroner said. No, <laughs> that's, said yeah, yeah. yeah. Same that's thing. awesome. CSI shows. All right. So we talked a little bit about what Hollywood gets wrong about your job. But before we get into some of the like the big time questions, can you give us like a quick legal system lesson? Talk to us. like We're five years old. We want to know what what is an attorney general? What 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 does the how does the state function as a prosecutor and legal case? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, the attorney general is the chief legal officer for the state. So he represents the governor. He represents DCFS in all of those lawsuits. Anytime a snowplow hits a car on the street they, and they get sued, yeah, you know, the, the attorney general represents the state of Illinois. Hmm. They also uh, give legal assistance to a lot of the a lot of the small states' attorneys' offices. There's a there's a separate states' attorneys' office for each county. A lot of these down south are one man offices. Hmm. So you get a murder in a little tiny county that has five thousand people. They call in the attorney general then to assist them because hmm. a lot of the attorney general assistants have tried hundreds of murder cases. Hmm. So. But then on a county level, as I said, uh, each state's attorney is elected, 102 counties in the state of Illinois. Okay. And they prosecute all criminal cases within the county. So okay. it's different okay. It's different than the federal system. The federal system, we have a U.S. attorney for Chicago, and they bring all the corruption cases, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Interesting. Much different. Hmm. Hmm. And so you've held quite a few of those positions over the years. I tried, I tried a lot of murder cases. Yeah. I tried a lot of speeding tickets uh, and everything in between because I did it for 20 years. So. So, so you mentioned snowplows hitting things. I feel like my uh, mailbox in my neighborhood gets hit by okay. a snowplow every single year. In fact, it's so common in Streamwood that they actually send out in their newsletter, um, hey, when we hit your n- mailbox, here's the number to call and we'll go replace it in the spring. So I just, I want to know, Bob, can you do anything about that? No, that's always been one of my dreams was to drive a snowplow, a truck with a snowplow. <laughs> I would really? love to do that. Yeah. I oh, think, this is my first winter I think, in Chicago oh, in Illinois. Oh, welcome. Okay, great. The, that you, you like dealt with all sorts of complicated cases, and you're like, I just want yeah. to be me in the snow, just me yeah, yeah, pushing yeah, snow yeah, out of the way. Right. It's a simpler life. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, so you you're interesting in that you've also traveled extensively. So 25 trips. Maybe that count is higher now uh, to Mexico and Nic- Nicaragua primarily. Uh, so you've got quite a bit of experience outside the U.S. And so I'm curious as a uh, as a judge in the U.S. who spent time outside of the U.S., can you help us to understand 
maybe some things about our legal system that we as Americans might take for granted and not know uh, the water we swim in, uh, you know, compared to other countries. Can you help us to understand maybe how unique <laughs> the U.S. is? Yeah, the biggest score? thing, I think, is that the bedrock of our system is built on the rule of law. Uh, and that means uh, that you don't invent the law for your own purposes. That means it's not outcome-oriented. The law is passed by the legislative body, whether it's at the Senate or the Congress or on a state legislative basis. But it's not outcome-oriented. As a judge, I don't say, well, I wish I could do it this way. I have to follow what the law hmm. is. And it is, it is, again, the outcome-determinative thing is the thing that is most... I think, emblematic of our system of justice. And when you talk to people in third world countries, in Latin America, the big thing they say that the United States has and that they don't have is the rule of law. And in their countries, it's either the, the richest or the most powerful. It's either at the point of a gun or at, at their wallet. Mm. Uh, that's how the outcome is determined, the richest person or the most powerful person. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And so, you know... There's debates about whether America is could rightly be called a Christian nation, but regardless, there are certainly biblical principles at work in the fundamentals of our justice system that every single person, ideally, right, as the, our law is written, is held to the same standard, uh, that, that it is not about how much money you have and how powerful you are, but that no matter who you are, you are held to the same standard under the law, which is, that's a, that's a very Christian principle, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's, how, that's how we say, it. this is how God, God, God does not treat you differently based on how rich you are or what position you hold. Mm. All right, so Mr. Judge over here, I'm curious <laughs> about this one. So Jesus famously said, judge not lest you be judged. So I just wanna say, Bob Spence, uh, how, how do you respond to uh, Rabbi Jesus on that score? Yes, uh, that is an interesting uh, proposition. Uh, you also, though, has, have to take that in context with Romans 13, where Paul says government is, is ordained for a specific purpose, and that's to provide order in society and provide a society where we can be prosperous mm -hmm. and peaceful. So we have rules of conduct. And it's not just my thoughts or your thoughts. That would be very subjective. Mm -hmm. It's very objective. The rules are passed. We all know the rules. Mm -hmm. Ignorance of the law is no excuse, as mm. has been said mm -hmm. millions of times. Um, and actually, I was uh, in anticipation of this. I was looking at Romans chapter 12, and it says, those who break the law should be fearful, mm. basically. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that, it's your own conscience, too. I mean, sure. you violate the law, you violate your conscience, and there is a little guilty thing in there that's kind of ticking away, mm. saying, hey, you know what, you did something wrong here. Well, you know yeah. what, you should be a little fearful mm. because you violated the law. Mm. And that whole thing is all about accountability. Yeah. If there's no accountability in our system, we have nothing. Mm. Yeah. Nothing. Mm. It's good you just touched on that fearful notion. And so my question is, we when we think about God, Scripture um, clearly classifies God as judge. That's one of his roles. And given your unique history as a judge, how what does it mean to you that God is judge? Um, that means he's going to do it way better than I did it. <laughs> <laughs> um because one of, the, one of the biggest struggles, I think any judge, if they're being honest, would tell you, one of the biggest struggles is, uh, okay, you have a divorce case, and, and you're trying to determine custody of children. Mm. 
and dad is saying, I'm an awesome dad, man, and mom is saying, I'm a mo- the most wonderful mother ever, mm-hmm. and of course, lots of details in between there, but who do you believe? And that was one of the biggest challenges I had, was trying to determine who's truthful, who's not. And you know what? God doesn't struggle with that, Mm. because God sees our hearts. Uh, He is the perfect judge Mm. and the perfect blend of justice and mercy. Now, mercy always wins out, obviously. Mm -hmm. It has in my life, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure yours as well. But... um, you know, it, it it is a perfect justice that we don't see this mm. side of he- on this side of heaven. Yeah, mm. and that's actually good news, especially the, the, God being a judge is really only bad news if you feel like there's no justice to be done. Yeah, right. right, right. If if you feel like people are going to get away with all the things that we've seen happen, travesties in human history, the fact that God is judge all of a sudden becomes really welcome mm-hmm. news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so you were a judge for almost 20 years. You oversaw criminal, civil, and family cases. I can't even imagine. Um, You probably saw some of the most difficult consequences of human nature, right? Of evil acts coming out. How has seeing sin and evil, uh, just in the midst of devastating people and families and and communities, how have you been, what does it look like for you to process all of that throughout those 20 years? Um, You know, I, I think of this a lot in the context of police officers and what police officers see in the course of their occupation. Uh, and see things, you know, God never intended that we see evil. Mm. That, that is not God's design. That's the result, obviously, of the fall, uh, to see evil things. But, you know, God certainly never planned, in a, in, like for a police officer, to have to go to a crime scene and see dead, pe- mm. dead bodies. Mm. That is just so wrong and such a result of, of evil in our society. As a prosecutor... Or then as a judge, you're one step removed. You're two step removed from that. You know, you may see pictures and some incredibly, you know, gruesome stuff and hear about evils. You don't have to experience it in that sense. Hmm. But I did go home and think, man, I am so lucky to have a marriage like I have and to have the wife that I have Hmm. after hearing, you know, some of the marital conflict that you Hmm. hear so much of in divorce court. Yeah, um, it was like, oh man, you are just so great. <laughs> yeah, I love you. I'm so glad I'm married to you. You know. Yeah, that's interesting. I was I was at jury duty recently, and you have to disclose. Have you ever been in a courtroom before? You know, it's one of the questions they ask, and I was just taken aback at, you know, half the room hands went up, and their answer was, "Yeah, I've been here before." And the judge says, "Why?" For my divorce. And you're like, oh man, you're stuck with a different form of brokenness mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that people, mm-hmm. jury duty, jury members are bringing, you know. So it's great that your spouse has been such, um, such a help for you to be able to process through all those years. How has following Jesus shaped how you process through those difficult um, or broken stories personally? Honestly, the biggest single thing is I, I can't tell you how many times I sat there and it's like, okay, what do I do with this case? Hmm. You know, I know legally what I could do with it, but what's the right thing to do within the bounds of the law? 
what is the right thing to do? I mean, should these kids go with dad for the weekend when there's allegations of, you know, some kind of spousal abuse or whatever? That would be one of many, many, many. And it's like, Lord, just give me some wisdom right here because I honestly, mm. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Give me wisdom. Uh, and I, I honestly, I said that prayer so many times. Help mm. me to discern mm. these two people because, you know, who's telling the truth? Because they both seem like decent people. Yeah. Or conversely, they both seem like horrible people. Mm. I mean, you have that happen too. Sure. It's like, is there a grandparent somewhere? Please raise wow. your hand, you know. Wow. <clears throat> that's, but, that's... but, you know, it is at the end of the day a wonderful thing to know that God does give wisdom. Mm-hmm. May, it's not perfect wisdom, mm. but. He does give it when you ask for it, and you can depend on Him, and you're not going to get it perfect. You're not going to get it right 100% of the time, or even close, mm. uh, but you know what? You, he equips you, yeah. is the bottom line. He equips you to do what has to be done. Mm. Thanks for letting us in on some of that, like behind the veil. Oh, gosh. How, how, how does Bob, Bob Spence <laughs> process those, those things personally? Can you help us understand um, how following Jesus has concretely shaped your work on the job as a judge. I appreciate that. Like, listen to the Spirit. That reminds me of Solomon, you know, mm-hmm. like he discerning. Asked yeah, he asked for wisdom. God granted it. That's a wonderful thing. Um, is there, like, tell us how else on the job, being a follower of Jesus actually influenced your work? <clears throat> you know, uh, um, as a judge, I had to be very careful um, about not not wearing it on my, on my shirt sleeves. Mm. Uh, because there is a separation of, of church and state. Um, some people want nothing to do with, you know, Christianity, and you have to respect that. That's their, that's their choice. Um, so I think it came into play more uh, on a personal level, where other judges I'm working with, because there is, a, in a way, there's a little bit of a wall up between you and lawyers if, mm-hmm. if you're a judge, mm-hmm. and there should be. Sure. Uh, or you and your, the witnesses in a case and that kind of thing. Um, now, you could do some things like administer justice. If there were people who needed a lawyer and couldn't afford it, I would give out cards mm-hmm. of administer justice and say, hey, go to these people. You know, they'll represent you. Mm. No, I didn't tell them that, hey, they'll pray with you. Right. They'll talk to you about Jesus. Right. I, didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't tell them that. I don't have to because it's their choice whether they want to go or not. But you know what? I, there was a judge who uh, just found out that she was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and I, it's, it's a little maybe uncomfortable the first time you do it or the second or third. <laughs> but it's like, hey, would you just, just mind if I say a real quick prayer for you? Mm. Um, or a book, a Christian book to a guy. I'll tell you, I actually, several of these were cancer. One was a, a, a guy who lost a son uh, in a car accident. Um, and it's just t- trying to be there and, and listening to the prompts in a way of the Holy Spirit, like, well, hey, maybe you should say something. Yeah. Or maybe you should pray with them. Hmm. Or you got that book at home that's collecting dust on your shelf, you know, mm-hmm. give it to that guy because it's a good book. Hmm. Um, so it's it's more on a one on one, I think, than as a judge. Yeah. Uh, than uh, trying to to do anything from the bench. Hmm. Now, as a lawyer, I have now because for the last year and a half, I've been just working for a, a local law firm. Hmm. Uh, as a lawyer, I have felt more free to share my faith. Hmm. You still have to kind of um, just be listening to things and whether or not it's appropriate. 
But there's a, a couple of clients. I, I work in divorce law now. Um, there are a couple of clients who are coming to care at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've told them, hey, we got this great divorce care stuff. You know, you can, you can come to those. Uh, and, a, and one guy is coming to our campus for church. We sit with him. He saves us a seat every Sunday morning. Uh, so just some things like that, you know. Hmm. Can you help us uh, tackle, tackle that from a little bit different angle? So uh, imagine being a Christian and, and a judge puts you in some situations where you are forced to make a choice that you're like, this is, this is difficult. So how have you experienced temptation? Maybe uh, temptation to go along with whatever you know, whatever might be the norm in your line of work. And, you know, following Jesus says, hey, don't don't go along with that norm, but you feel the temptation, the struggle nonetheless. You know, um, I haven't felt a ton of those issues come before me when I was a judge. Um, the thing that I think I was tempted more often than not, and part of the, some of this is just personality driven, um, where there's a very sympathetic party to a, to one of your cases. And, and you, you know it's not right to show sympathy. It, I shouldn't rule for this person just because they're the nicer person or just because they have a more sympathetic story. Mm. It's, well, what does the law say? Mm. So the, the temptation there is to show favoritism, mm. which is not biblical. Right. I mean, that's, of course, not biblical. If you look at James, right. uh, don't show favoritism to anybody. Right. So and, and actually, if every judge showed favoritism to their favorite person, just mm. think of our system. I mean, it would right. totally break down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that reflects God's character that he he himself is not partial. Yeah, that he's impartial. Yes, mm-hmm. right, mm. right. So you talked a little bit about um, administer justice uh, before. So for our listeners who don't know what that is, can you give a brief overview and talk about that a little bit? Yeah, administer justice was started by a Christian lawyer probably twenty years ago now, uh, and it's just a Christian legal aid clinic. And they provide um, free legal services to, to basically to people who are in a position, whether it's a chronic um, poverty or whether it's just occasional. But they're in a situation where they cannot afford representation. It can be landlord-tenant related. It can be immigration related. Uh, lots of divorce cases um, where they may not have much in the way of assets, but, you know, they got kids that they're worried about. Um, spousal abuse, uh, a lot of those things. Um, So they provide these services for free um, and they pray with all of those clients when they come in. Wow. Uh, And these are, actually Christ Community has participated in this, uh, had legal legal aid clinics on Saturdays here um, and a lot of churches across the country, there's over a hundred now that have, and it's all through Christian churches. Mm. Some are a little different flavor than ours, you know, mm. but but still yeah. Christian based legal services. Mm. And it's it is a wonderful, wonderful ministry. How have you seen them directly impact like, um, our community or individuals? Why are organizations like this so important? Well, you know, there there are an awful lot of people um, for whatever reason are just caught up. In, in the system, and they don't know what to do. Uh, and they don't know. First, some people don't even know, well, hey, I should go talk to a lawyer until it's over. Wow. Mm. And then it's like, oh, my goodness, what have I done? You know, I've just, mm-hmm. 
lost everything. Um, and then there are others who know what to do, but they can't afford the lawyer, uh, and they need some help because people have rights, and those rights need to be, mm. you know, you need to stand up for those people. Yeah. And they can't stand up for themselves. They don't know enough to, or they don't know the, most people don't know the legalities of it. I don't say that condescendingly, but it's, no, some things are pretty intricate, yeah. and they need help, you mm. know. So in some sense, it doesn't matter if the law is fair, if people don't know how to take advantage of the fairness that they are mm-hmm. offered through through the law. Right. And, and we might say, right, right. oh yeah, everybody everybody has access to a lawyer, and if you don't have, can't afford a lawyer, one will be provided to you. What the reality is, there is a wide disparity in the kind of legal advice and the quality of representation that you're going to get. And so to offer people free, free advice, free legal counsel to help them when they feel like they may be totally stuck, totally in a corner, mm-hmm. that sounds like something that would be close to the heart of God. Yeah, I think so too. And, and actually, every, if you're charged with a criminal offense and you're destined for jail or prison, you have a right to a lawyer, and the state will give you a lawyer. But it's these poor people who are, you know, they're going to get evicted next week because they just lost their job. Whatever it is, especially in in economic times that are uncertain and rough. Um, They don't, they have a right to an attorney, but they don't, the state doesn't provide one for them. Mm. You don't get a public defender because you're getting evicted. Right. You know. Right. If you shoot somebody, you'll get a pub. If you shoot the person trying to evict you, then you get a <laughs> then, public then, defender. Then you get a better deal. Yeah. Oh boy. <clears throat> yeah. So so <laughs> so. Thanks for that uh, vivid, vivid. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, can you say good to know? I don't good know. If that, know. <laughs> is that good to know? Don't do um, that. Uh, maybe we'll edit that part out of the podcast for our <laughs> listeners is to make sure that they don't know uh, that. Um, now that that sounds like something that is filling a gap that's needed in our culture. So thank you for the work that you're doing, and uh, I know that administer justice has been a part of Christ communities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been involved in that. So so thank you, uh, Bob. Before we wrap up our time. Um, I know that you, this whole podcast, our year-long theme is faith at work. We're talking about integrating um, people's work life with their faith, saying all of this is under the lordship of Jesus. I know that as we've talked with you, you've been very intentional in the most recent chapter of your life about integrating faith and work, and you're doing a tremendous amount outside of your work with nonprofits and uh, seeing your whole life as really uh, a work that you place before the Lord. But it wasn't always that way. I know that about your story. I know that these things used to be separated. So um, to finish us off, can you talk about your journey in integrating your faith in work and and really leave leave our listeners with some form a word of encouragement if you feel like maybe you were talking to yourself talk to yourself 25 years ago some mm-hmm. of our listeners may be in that spot where they feel like their work and their faith are very separate and what advice would you have from your own story in helping people take their next step in integrating those things yeah um you know i was blessed to have a job that i loved And whether that was as an assistant state's attorney, um, you know, prosecuting a murder case uh, was just the top of the heap as far as, you know, as a prosecutor, as a lawyer. Uh, And you're trying to achieve justice from people who have been terribly aggrieved. Um, And it's very gratifying. And actually, it was so gratifying that that's all I cared about, really. There was no integration at all of my faith and my work. Uh, it was dramatically probably just the opposite. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I poured myself into. I ignored my family. I ignored my marriage. Um, 
It, it, my, my work really kind of controlled me. But that's easy to have happen when you love it. When you do love your work, mm, that sure. is not, I don't think that's unusual. Mm. It just happens. Um, but things have, and it actually took some, some difficulties in our marriage, and it took some good counseling mm. to turn that around and to really see that you, actually when you make Jesus kind of the center of it, whether it's your marriage, same principle, make him the center of your marriage, make him the center of your work, make your work revolve around the people who are there, the people that you can affect, uh, the people that you can love and encourage into a relationship with, with the Lord, um, it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is so much different. And actually, it's so much more gratifying um, just to be able to say that, okay, God, here I am, and, and wherever we're going today, let's go do it, you know, mm-hmm. because yeah. whatever it is, it's, it should be good, mm. or at least interesting. Mm. That's so good. <clears throat> Wow. Thank you so much, Bob, uh, for taking the time and being so vulnerable with us today. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Faith at Work. Our conversations happen every other week. So in two weeks, you can expect another interview to help you think critically about faith and work intersecting in creative and inspiring ways. Because as we said it every time, every job matters. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Email us your suggestions, questions, or ideas to workpodcast at ccclife.org. And lastly, tell your friends that their job matters too and invite them to join along in the conversation. We'll talk to you soon.